this is so big inside of me about the kingdom of God that it's, it's really hard to, to even put it into words. So get ready to receive the word tonight because God wants to take our church to, to a, a deeper level, a new level. And, you know, if you'll notice, we finished the last time we were together talking about this. When you talk about the kingdom, the master key to the kingdom of God is you have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so that all these things can be added to you. And he is talking about provision. So we're talking, if you'll notice, we were in Matthew chapter 6. We have to talk about this thing called provision. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'm exploding on the inside. I've only got 16 pages of notes. So, um, but, but literally, we have to get this right. The number one thing that is on the minds of people all the time, you're always going to be tempted by the enemy in the area of provision. People are always, I got to make sure I have enough provision. They're watching the stock market. They're like, oh my gosh, they're watching the inflation rates. They're watching this. They're, you know, even in realm of sickness, am, you know, am I going to get sick and it just suck away all my finances and be destitute? There's always this thing about provision. So we've got to talk about that. This is the first area that God will really deal with you in. And where we're going to start going is, remember I, I made the statement, I said that the kingdom of Satan, Satan's kingdom literally manifests through the world system. That's how it manifests. God's kingdom manifests through us. Okay, You're in the kingdom of God and the kingdom is in you. Now, here's, the, here's another thing, and I'm probably not going to be able to get too far into this, but you have to know this in order for us to start getting into some things. The world system, this, 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 there's two systems working, right? There's, there's two masters Matthew chapter 6 talks about, God and mammon, right? So there's, there's, two, there's two systems here. The world system, have you noticed, it operates on buying and selling, right? Yep. Buying and selling. Everything is buying and selling. The kingdom of God works on seed, time, and harvest. This is why we have to talk about provision, because if you're into buying and selling, you're going to get locked in and you're going to think your provision is tied to your job. And it's not to be tied to your job. So, so let's take an aerial view. Boy, I'll tell you. Wow. Okay. So what happened when God created everything? At the end of six days... He created everything. He saw that it was good. What was the last thing he created after he created everything else? He, he provided all the provision, right? And then he put man in the garden. Do you think Adam and Eve in any way toiled before the fall? They did not. Do you think they ever worried about their provision? No. God, what did God say? What does it say about God at the end of it? It says, and God looked at everything that he had made, and he saw that it was good. Right? And then what did he do? In Hebrews, it tells us after he was finished, he rested. Right? So remember the three principles. Let's go through them. Principle number one is God's original plan for man, which has never changed, was man was to administer the kingdom of God on this earth. Okay? 
Number two principle, when Adam and Eve fell, it was a loss of the kingdom of God on this earth. Number three principle is when Jesus came, the redemptive plan of God was literally to reestablish the kingdom of God in this earth and into the hearts of men. And right now, you and I are on this earth and we are to administer the kingdom of God. But there's this thing called provision. Think about, do you work for your salvation? Are you sure? Okay. Could you ever work hard enough for your healing? Which, by the way, is part of salvation. So why do you think you need to work to pay for your house? Oh, that'll tilt people. What? what? Time out. Do you know salvation is prosperity? And here we are. We literally are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And, and what is this inheritance? All that the Father has, Jesus said, is mine. And guess what? That means all that the Father has is ours. Do you see how that maybe we need to, we need to maybe expand some things in our thinking? A person is not poor and in poverty and lack because they don't have enough money. They are poor and in lack because they don't have knowledge. Okay? We're going to look now. I, why am I? I'm just throwing this stuff out here, and in the weeks ahead, we're going to really get into it. But I want you to. I want you to see this. See, this is what we do. We sit here and get all excited when we finally can buy a house and have a 30-year mortgage. And then we really think as we get older, when we refi and we could do a 15-year mortgage. But do you think that maybe God's plan is to maybe provide something and compress time frames so houses are paid off in much less time so that we can stop focusing on provision. Do you know do you know how many people are not stepping out in their personal lives and their focus is not on their assignment? Their focus is on their provision. I I can't I need more money. 3 John 2 says, beloved, you'll prosper and you'll be in health as your soul prospers. You need revelation knowledge of some things. Do you know, in, it talks about how Jesus, in Revelation, right? Doesn't it say, and on his vesture was a name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So he's a king and he's the Lord. But he's the king of kings. Who are those kings? Us. Do you think a king lives paycheck to paycheck? Do you think a king is waiting for his money on his check? No, what does a king do? He decrees it and then it's done. So this is why we got to understand the kingdom. Because guys, you are all in full-time ministry. You are all here on assignment. We all are. And God does not want you to spend one second of your life worrying about provision. Okay? So now that we've said all that, let's get into this a little bit. You guys are going, okay, all right, pastor, woof. So... So we're learning some things. Keep this in mind. Seed time and harvest. So, so think about this. 
And, and here's the thing. When you sow a seed, let's say it's financial. Let's say the seed's financial. Forget about sowing a seed on the amount. Well, I need a big harvest, so man, I just need a big seed. But the problem is I just don't have. No, 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 no. It's obedience. It's all about obedience. Okay? So, so it's don't think amounts. And, and here's the big thing. Toil is a result of the curse. You and I are never to toil. You're never to take one thought about the needs of your life. Has anybody heard anything about a possibility of an upcoming famine? Right? If, if you want to hear more about that, just go to Christian TV. And you'll be so filled with fear, right? But if you don't want to do that, just stick to the word. Because it doesn't matter if a loaf of bread takes a day's wage. I'm not to spend my income on my bread anyway. See, we got to get off this. You know, there's not one scripture in the Bible that talks about that your lifestyle is to come from your income. It's to come from your giving, sowing. So this is, and why are we talking about this? Because a person gets saved and they're placed right in the kingdom of God. And, and literally, if you can see the enormous amount of provision that you have, it's already been given to you in the same way as it was given to Adam and Eve. What was the last thing Jesus said? Who was Jesus? Was he the second Adam? Does the Bible say that? Yeah. What did Jesus say on the cross? Interesting. It is finished. What did God the Father say when he was done? It's finished. So now we are to live at rest. You've heard me say this. The highest form of faith is a rest. And we have Christians that are expecting an answer to prayer, but they're not sowing anything. They're, they're, they're expecting themselves to walk in the joy of the Lord, to come out of issues without sowing something. Listen, if you are sick in your body, right, you, you need to reject that because it has no legal right in your body. And you need to sow seeds all day long so that you could get a harvest of healing. Why? Because if you need a new kidney, guess what? He's already got a new kidney for you. You need a new brain. You need new joints. He has all of it. But you got to sow something. You got to speak. The word of God. We don't look at it like that, but that's part of it. You speak. You need finances. God puts it on your heart for something. I mean, do you realize we are all living in an eternal jubilee right now? Debt cancellation. Right? Debt cancellation. Now, how is that going to be canceled? Well, it could be canceled by them just saying, you know what? Forgiven, right? Bud and Fran, how was 2.5 million? Forgiven, that's kind of nice, right? Right? That's, that's pretty big. Or maybe God gives you an idea, and all of a sudden, there's a new technology, there's something new that brings millions of dollars in your hand and, and wipes out debt, whatever, right? However it comes, whether he just blesses the work of your hand and takes you to the top of your field, right? Teaches you how to profit in this. See, here's the thing. Why am I talking about this? Because if your focus is just on, I got to make sure I have enough, that will stifle all creativity. God won't be able to get much over to you because you're just focused on, I need more money. And you'll sit at home and you'll try to figure out how in the world. 
Uh, let's sit and let's try to figure out, why am I getting off on all this? How in the world am I ever going to be able to afford a house? Right? I talked to a lady in the airport when I was getting ready to fly. Um, she, she, was, she lives in San Luis Obispo, which is real close to Pismo Beach, where my stepdad lives. And uh, so she was, her husband's a dentist. He owns half of a, of a business. Uh, and she's just trying to, they're trying to figure out how they could buy a house. Right? And you're thinking, wow, you know, a dentist owns half of a, of a dental business. What do you mean? You're renting? Yeah. Because you want to buy a house in San Luis Obispo? Okay. You could spend a million dollars for a shack, a 1,300 square foot thing that's about to fall down on this little tiny lot. So could you imagine what a mortgage payment on that is? Trying to figure out, you know, a million dollars. Okay, you're going to put 20% down. That's only 200000 Right? It's a little different than Omaha. Although Omaha, I mean, man, right? And now with interest rates, all this stuff, and God's over here saying, you're in the kingdom. But what we'll do is we'll literally think about it all the time. How am I going to get a house? How am I gonna... Instead of just going, what did God say? I'll give you houses that you didn't build. I'll give you cities that you didn't build. But how are you going to possess what he's given you with your mouth? So instead of taking eight hours a day on a calculator trying to figure out, okay, and maybe if I work a second job or if I do this or go back to school and, the, and, and all of a sudden my assignment gets backed up, why don't I just get in the word of God and let revelation come and start speaking out of revelation knowledge in my heart because God is in your life and he's looking at your words going, please give me something to perform. Could it be that simple? Yeah. Yeah, so let's, this is why we got to talk about these things. God's desire for his kingdom is that it would dominate the earth and make the earth like heaven. And guess what? It's going to happen. The kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our God. Jesus preached. What did he preach? The gospel of the kingdom and repentance to turn from everything else and turn to the kingdom. To change your mind. What I'm hoping, see, this is what happens. You're in church right now. You should be taking notes or you should go back and listen and take notes. Why? Because right now I could say some things that you can understand in your mind, but it won't do you any good until you get it in your heart. So you have to take the word that you hear and you have to start meditating in it. Because that, that word is what's going to show you where you are. It's going to direct your paths. According to Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower, it's the word that produces everything. So you have a lot of Christians, and, and we don't really have that here, not a lot of it, where you know, we should put a time card out there. So I could just click, boom, okay, I feel better about myself. I came to church on Sunday. Now I could just go live my life. But many of us, even though we're understanding some of these concepts in our mind, are not taking the time to grab hold of a scripture and start meditating on it. Right? You have sickness in your body and all of a sudden you start walking around. Father, I thank you that Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And it is written in Deuteronomy 28, the curse of the law includes all sickness and all disease. So Father, I thank you that I've been redeemed from all sickness and all disease. You sent your word and healed me. Jesus bore this condition so I don't have to. When you start speaking out of your heart or out of your mouth what you believe in your heart, 
you will start seeing things change. Because here's the thing. According to the word of God, God's word tells us that every tree that has been planted in us, or it says every plant, that God didn't plant, it's his will to uproot it. Now it's real interesting that now they know the subconscious mind, they, they liken it to a forest of trees. It's real interesting. You're self-programmable. There are people, and the deeper you go into it, the deeper you start looking at your natural circumstances, the further it'll take you into death. You'll start questioning everything. You'll start questioning everything when all the time, if you'll just take the word and start speaking it, pretty soon that word will start opening up. And, and I'm telling you, it'll change your attitude. It'll change everything. You'll start seeing things different. And we've got to get this right. God has given us everything. But God can't, God can't work if we are working. We've got to give it to him. So, so if you look at, see, when you understand the world system is buying and selling, the kingdom of God is seed time and harvest. So then you look at like, so Joseph in the Old Testament, why was Potiphar... So, so what, did, what did Joseph's brothers do? They threw him in a pit. He ultimately got sold into slavery. Or in other words, he was sown into this situation and he's a slave in Potiphar's house. But Potiphar's house started being blessed. Why? Because the kingdom of God, the covenant that Joseph had, even though he was a slave will start over overturning this buying and selling thing. All of a sudden, Potiphar sees, wow, I am blessed beyond anything that I could imagine. He puts this slave boy in charge of everything. Why, why was he blessed? Because the kingdom of God principle of seed time and harvest will supersede the earth system every time. When you start to look at it like that, you'll start, the Bible will just start opening to you like never before. And we're going to do a lot of that during this series. To be witnesses of the kingdom of God, we must see it and experience it. You can't be a witness of something you haven't seen and haven't experienced. That's how come God wants you, desires, longs, and needs you to lay hold of your inheritance. As I, I could go right down the line today, even if somebody's sitting there going, you know, I'm just so confused about everything. Are you really? I'll bet if you just quieted your mind down, you'd sit here and go, well, wait a minute. This is what I need to be believing God for. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. That tells me you don't have to settle. I remember when I had a college and career ministry dealing with a lot of young single people who had a desire to be married. Well, there's nobody in my church. So, you know, I just, like, they, you start thinking, well, I, maybe I just need to settle. No, you don't need to settle. Why? Because every good and perfect gift. Listen, if God's got to bring somebody from another country he'll do it, right? Because it's already yours. All the provision is, every, is there. Well, I can't step out and do this in ministry because I just don't have enough money. No, that's not true. You don't have enough revelation knowledge of who you are, the kingdom you're in, and how God has already provided things for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be talking like that. You would be claiming it right? You all know what you need to be believing God for right now, right? And this is why some people never get started because this whole, this, this big word, 
tithing. 10%. The first 10%. Man, I can't, I can't do that. Then you will never understand provision and you'll never be able to trust God. I, I would love as your pastor to tell you something different. And if that upsets you, even if you leave, I'll still love you and hope you come back. But I'm not going to lie to you. There's people that are holding on to this. And it's only because they're looking at the wrong thing. They're speaking the wrong thing. They don't know who they are. So let's keep talking about this. God desires for you and I to discover, to understand, and to operate in the kingdom of God. He wants us to literally discover and have revelation knowledge that I am in the kingdom. I am governed by a different set of rules. It doesn't matter what the economy does. I'm increasing. How? I don't know. That's not, the how's not my deal, right? He wants me to discover that. He wants me to understand the kingdom of God and, and, and all that it's entailed. And he wants me to learn how to operate in the kingdom to where I start claiming things, right? I start claiming things. And I, when, 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 God, when God's word gives me a, a lamp, it's a lamp to my feet, when I see my next step, Man, I got to believe God for that. Right? Being kingdom minded, it gives you a proper focus. You have to have a proper focus. The whole world system, Satan will sit on your shoulder and try to distract you because if you ever figure out what you've been given and who you are and who he is, it's over. There is no limit. He wants you, it'll give you proper focus and it'll help you correctly prioritize your life. Well, I can't come to church because I've got to work. Okay, well, Hebrews 10.23 tells you don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. So don't freak out. Don't beat yourself up. Just start believing God that either you'll have favor where they'll let you come to church or God will open up another position for you. Does that make sense? In other words, church, you have been given authority. You have been given authority. You are to dominate, not to be dominated. That's the kingdom. You are the ones you're in control of your life. Don't blame other people. No, no, no. The enemy's the enemy. And rejoice when you realize that because he's defeated. And you, you have already been given victory in Christ. But in order for you to walk that out, in order for God to perform that in your life, you have to believe it in your heart and you have to speak it. Man, I've got all these notes. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. I hope this is helping you. There's a strength in this right now. I'm about to explode on the inside. God wants us to get this. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. It says here, let us therefore, in the King James, it's a little vague. It's let us therefore fear. This word fear, I mean, you're like, wait a minute, pastor. God tells us not to fear. Yeah, let's look at the Greek word. It means to be cautious, to be aware. Literally, it would mean, let us therefore be cautious so that we don't get into unbelief. In other words, let us therefore fear not to believe. What is the fear? That I might not believe what God says. That's what he's basically saying. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. 
The word of God is telling us if we don't believe, we're not going to be able to enter into his rest. We're going to come short of it. Why? Because we don't believe. Why do we come short of it? Not anybody else's fault but ours. We just choose not to believe. Okay, so let's keep going. For unto us was the gospel preached. What's he talking about? The gospel of the kingdom of God, the word of God, the gospel was preached that God wants you well, he wants you prosperous, he wants you at peace, he wants you to have a sound mind, he wants you to increase, he wants you safe. Unto us this gospel was preached as well as unto them. Them who? The children of Israel in the wilderness. That's who this is talking about. But look at what it says. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the only reason why the children of Israel did not go into the promised land and literally that whole generation died in the wilderness is because when God told them, listen, I've given you this land. Now it's a land. It, it, it eats up its inhabitants. You're going to see cities there that are greater than you. There's people there that are more mighty than you. Right? God told them. But I've already given you this land. In other words, God says, listen, I'm giving you something you can't possess on your own. You need me. In the same way, our provision today. The only reason why that generation died in the wilderness is they chose to not believe. Why did they do that? Because they mixed. Your mixer, you brought it with you tonight. It's your mouth. They didn't mix faith with what God said. They didn't walk around going, God's given us this land. It's ours, right? They did not say what God said. Now, two of them said it, Joshua and Caleb, but 10 of them brought back 10 reasons why they couldn't possess the land, and every one of the 10 reasons, God already told them. There wasn't nothing that they found there that was new. Because think about it. You plus God is a majority. I mean, wow, right? So if, if I went to an elementary school, me and LeBron James go to an elementary school. School starts, and we're like, okay, bring it on. Two on two. Could you imagine? Here's Asher. Right? If he gets by me, LeBron, just bam. We're going to be the king of elementary school basketball. Right? Think about you and God. And, and here's the thing. Jesus already already did it it's done it's all done you actually own it all but in order to bring it from the unseen realm into this realm you have to believe it in your heart and speak it with your mouth when you believe it in your heart and speak it with your mouth God's able to perform it so this is why it's so important these people died in the wilderness because they didn't mix faith with what God said what did they do they mixed it they walked around saying, we can't have it. We can't have what God said he gave us. And God called that an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You don't want to be that way, right? So this is huge. Verse 3, for we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Look at this, verse 6. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, 
And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. It was theirs, but they didn't enter in because they didn't believe it. So their mouth was speaking things contrary to the word of God. Do you know how God is getting blamed for so much that's happening in the earth? And God, God is up there going, wait, whoa, time out. No, 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 I gave you authority in the earth. And I'm chomping at the bit. If you'll believe what I said I gave you and you'll speak it with your mouth, it gives me a legal right to do it. But if you don't speak it, I can't do it. Right? Oh, could you imagine how God looks at his children and he's like, you're starving, you're stressed, you know, you got high blood pressure, you, your, your body's not working right because you're freaked out about provision and this and that, and all the time I've provided everything for you, but you won't mix it. You won't say what I said. You say what the world is telling you to say. And then it says here in verse 9, there remains therefore a rest to the people of God. Verse 10, for he, for he, this is good, that, has, that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. You know, God, see, God rested not because he was tired. He rested because he was, he was finished. And when you realize and get a revelation knowledge in your heart, which only comes as you meditate in the word of God so the Holy Spirit can open it up, when you realize that it is finished, you'll rest. You won't be, see, this is the thing. I'm believing God. You know, I just believe I'm healed. And you could see the worry all over their face. And in, in three seconds, they're just talking about their symptoms and talking. No, no, you never were in faith. Because if you're in faith, you'll rest. If you really believe it. Right? Why are we not seeing more stuff happen? Do you think that, I mean, we're trying to build churches on smoke and, and really you know, follow-up programs and this and that, giving people stuff to try to get them to come back to church. When all we got to do is live this. Do you know how many people are freaked out? They're, they're, and, and fear, listen guys, we don't make fun of people that are afraid. We show them the answer by living it right? It's time for the church. Listen, you want church growth? I'll write a book on it. You know, everybody wants me to write a book. Okay, I'm going to write a mini book right now. Church growth. Signs, wonders, miracles. I'll sign it after the service tonight. That's it. It's time for the church to walk in the miraculous. But in order to do that, we've got to believe him. We've got to know that we're in the kingdom and we have to know that we've been given dominion. Right? I love Dr. Fred Price. Man, you know, I, I, he, when did he go home to be with the Lord? Not, not too long ago. But anyway, he, in his book, I think it was called The Power of Confession. Uh, years ago, I read this thing and, and it talked about, he defined dominion. And oh man, I mean, it talked about lordship, ownership. Lordship, yeah. Adam transferred all this stuff over to Satan and Jesus ended up calling Satan the God of this world. Adam and Eve were to have dominion. Guys, Jesus got it all back. We are to walk in dominion. I'm saying all this stuff. To make his kingdom our first priority, we must receive revelation knowledge from the word of God. The word of God is what reveals the keys and the mystery of the kingdom. 
This is literally how we enter kingdom life. Why are we teaching on this? Because, man, I'm telling you, we are going to walk in kingdom life. My prayer for our church is that we discover, we understand, and we learn how to operate in the kingdom. So Satan's days are over. No more steal, kill, and destroy. I owe no man but to love him. I'm not looking. I'm not worried about anything. I am walking. When I wake up in the morning, I want those demons that are assigned to me to go, wow, he's up again, right? So important, so important. So we talked about Matthew chapter 6. Let's go there real quick, and then I want to read Luke's account. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. It says, lay not up for yourself treasures upon the earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. God doesn't mind, he doesn't, he doesn't mind if you have stuff. He doesn't want your focus to be laying stuff up for yourself. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt or neither where thieves break through and steal. And why did he say that? For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. This is so big. And I want to encourage you, if you didn't listen to the last, the last sermon, message three in this series, go back and listen to it because we went into this. Verse 22, he's going to start explaining it. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, this means if your eye be simple, And if your eye be clear, in other words, if you're laying up treasures for yourself naturally, your eye is not going to be simple. It's not going to be clear. Why? Because you're going to be thinking about provision, 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 right? It gets all messed up. But it says here, if your eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. Do you ever notice if you have eye problems? There's, there's an eye problem you could have where your eye gets cloudy, called a cataract. You don't see things clearly, right? But a healthy eye sees clear. Spiritually, a healthy eye, it keeps it simple. God, what do you want me to do? And then I do it. I come to the word not to see if I'm going to do it or not. No, 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 I'm submitted to this. I, I, I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to rely on, on the Holy Spirit to tell me, but I'm never going to oppose it, right? It says, but if your eye be evil, this Greek word for evil means full of labors, full of annoyances, full of hardships, and full of toil. What are you looking at if your eyes are full of toil and hardship, you're looking at natural things. It can only produce death. But if your eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. In other words, it will, it will literally cloud everything in your life. You can, you won't, Jeremiah talks about it in, in chapter 17, where it talks about if you trust in yourself, You won't even see when good comes. If your focus is on natural things and you don't understand that you've been in the kingdom, literally you won't even see all the good stuff that's going on in your life. Right? You know what I used to do? It's so cool because when we were in California, my daughter, there's a rock in Laguna Beach that I used to go climb out on and read my Bible. And she actually, the tide was coming in, but she's like, I'm doing it. So we have a picture of her on that rock. It, it just, it makes me cry. But during that time, it was a time when I, I mean, literally, I was in the middle of all this toil, darkness, because I thought I was worthless, and light started coming on on that rock. When I'd sit on that rock and read a scripture and just Say it out loud over and over and over and over and over. This is so important that we get this. Then he goes on to say, he's going to explain more. Why? 
because no man can, verse 24, can serve two masters. You can, each master has a distinct system. Mammon has a system. It's called buying and selling. God has a system. It's called seed time and harvest. Right? For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't. Right? Therefore I say unto you, verse 25, take no thought. This Greek word means an anxious thought. That's worry. He's saying, therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life. What do you mean? What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Therefore, take no thought. Or in other words, don't worry. How do you worry? Saying. Well, pastor, you know, I'm just being real. Yeah. Real carnal, and it's going to, be, it's going to produce real death, and you're not going to feel better. You're going to feel worse. I mean, am I wrong? Or is that just me? Man, your mouth will take you in a bad place quick. Or if you're in a bad place, your mouth can take you right back to a good place to see where you really are. Right? Boy, this is good preaching. Man, look at this. Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Look at this now. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. In other words, people without a covenant of, from God, they seek these things. Why? Because they don't have a covenant. But we are never to seek those things. Why? Because we have a covenant. We've been given everything. Man, I'm telling you, this is why Ephesians says, awake from, the, from your sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. People sit in church listening to this going, why? Evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. I don't understand why that happened to me and why this happened and why this is happening and I don't understand that and God should be doing this and God should be doing that and this is just not fair. Evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And your loving heavenly father is sitting here going, I, I, I want to help you, but I can't help you. I don't have jurisdiction where you are right now. But oh, if you'll give me jurisdiction, I'll come in and I'll start, I'll start, I'll bring clarity, I'll, I'll change everything, I'll give you the desires of your heart, I'll even give you the desires, I'll, I'll show them to you, then I'll give them to you. But I gotta, but I gotta get you believing and speaking. Because if, if I can't, if you just won't do it. Do you know the people that are going to stand before God? There's nobody going to be walking around heaven. There's nobody in heaven right now going, you know, God, that just wasn't fair. There's nobody doing that. There's a lot of people, when they get there, they're like, oh, oh, I under oh, yeah, that makes sense. He is good. Oh, wow, healing. That was the easiest thing in the world. It was, right, I, it was mine. I, it was right there. But why are people not seeing it? I'm telling you, they're worried about provision. How am I going to pay for these medical bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And this thing's getting worse. What if I can't work? Right? The government, the globalist, all this stuff. Okay, we just got to, we have to be raptured. Right? No, no, no. We don't want to be raptured to escape. Right? We want to be raptured because we love God and we want to see him face to face. But if he's not, but literally, I'm telling you, is it possible for the rapture to happen here in a month at Rosh Hashanah? Oh, I could sit you down and you'd be vibrating. Yeah, very, very possible. But I got to tell you, if 6 p.m. on the 27th of September comes and we're not raptured out of here, man, I'm going to look at Jeanette. We're going to look at each other and go, okay, we're going to run harder in this next year than we've ever run because we're going to try to take as many people to heaven as we can take. 
And guess what? You know what? It looks like it could get kind of bad. Who cares? We are overcomers. Right? People that are consumed in the political arena and are not in the word are going to be in trouble. Because they're looking, okay, November. No, it's just all going to be better if, guys, all of your trust has to be in him. He is not a source for me. He is my source. Now, am I going to vote? Absolutely. Am I going to vote party? No, I'm a Christian. I'm going to vote righteousness. Righteousness. And if it's a little cloudy, I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to lead me. I'm going to look to the word of God because I am on assignment here for a very short time and I've been given dominion in the name of Jesus, authority in the name of Jesus, power in the Holy Spirit, and I am in the kingdom and his system will overcome all this other stuff. Right? Oh, I'll lay my life down, but nobody's going to take it. Right? So this is all these things do the Gentiles seek. Then he says, your heavenly father knows you have need of all these things, but seek first. This means pursue, study, explore, understand, learn, and consider first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let me say that again. What are we to do first? We're to seek first the kingdom. What does that mean? We are to what? Pursue the kingdom. Study the kingdom. Explore the kingdom, right? We're to understand the kingdom. We're to consider the kingdom. We're to learn about the kingdom. Why? Because this gives us everything. The world is anxious, concerned, and worried about the basic needs of life. Gentiles had no part in God's covenant with Israel or God's economy. God's number one priority is for us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, right? And here's the thing about seekers. Seekers possess a passion and a desire for the kingdom of God. And I think we have a lot of seekers in here tonight. God's kingdom, in other words, is much more important than the basic needs of your life. Everything we need is found in the kingdom of God. We must place the highest value on the kingdom of God. Jesus did. God is our only source. Oh, there's other income streams and other, other things he'll use, but he is the source. Have you ever noticed provision? Provision. You've got to see it. And we learn from Proverbs, right? Chapter 4 and verse 23. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of your heart, this is talking about your mind, flows the issues. That Hebrew word means the boundaries of your life. Do you realize you have fences on the inside of you? And God wants to expand them or remove them where all things are possible to him who believes. You don't want to have a fence that locks you into this sickness is going to kill me. Right? No. Well, can you remove that fence? With, you, can, you can believe God's word and speak it and God will remove it. God's word, will, God will pull it right out. Your believing should never be based on your yearly salary. You should never, ever, ever say out of your mouth, I can't afford that. Now you could say this, I can't justify that right now. But don't say you can't afford it because now you're speaking against God. Right? So let's look at Luke real quick. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Let's look at the same account and go through this again. We, we've got to lay a foundation so that we can talk about all these things. It says, And he spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. 
And he thought within himself, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow all my fruits. And he said, this will I do. Are you noticing how many eyes are in here? I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. This is a picture of someone who is laying up treasures for himself on the earth. But God said unto him, now this is a parable, so Jesus is trying to show him something. And, but God said unto him, you fool, this night your soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which you've provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Do you see that? That he's spending his whole life to try to get to a place where I don't have to think about money anymore. And God's saying, you spent your whole life and now you finally got to that point and now it's time, you're going home. You're, you're leaving. And, and now, now who's going to have those goods? In other words, you just missed the whole thing. This is big, guys, because people, we, we could, you could sit here and say, well, pastor, I don't even know why you're talking about this. I don't really think about money. Okay. You dull of hearing, blind, and deaf person, <laughs> right? No, seriously, because I'm telling you, these demons that are set against you are trying to, I mean, they're always trying to get you to think about provision. And it's not just money. It could be anything that you, how am I going to pay for my kid's school? How am I going to do this? Well, you know, what kind of world are my kids going to grow up in? I mean, all of it will get right back to provision. Then he said, verse 22, and he said to his disciples, therefore I say unto you. So do you see how he's really explaining this? Take no thought for your life what, you'll, what you shall eat, neither for your body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat. The body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens. They sow, neither do they sow nor reap, neither do they have storehouses or barns, and God feeds them. How much more are you better than fowls? And which of you taking thought can add to a stature one cubit? If you then be not able to do that thing which is least... Why are you taking thought for the rest? See, God's saying, don't waste your time on this. Again, consider the lilies, how they grow, they don't toil, they don't spin. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? In other words, the basic needs of your life, your heavenly father, that's his responsibility. Verse 29, and seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Look at this, neither be ye of doubtful mind. You know what that means? Neither, neither be ye a worrier. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and these things shall be added to you. Do you realize what Jesus just said? You seek the kingdom, and all this financial provision will be added. Why? Because it's already been given to you. It's already yours. If you can see the enormous amount of provision you have, yeah, but I just destroyed my liver because I was an alcoholic for 20 years. Hey, guess what? God's got a new liver for you. Right? It's all there. He knew you were going to destroy it. He already had a plan. He is El Shaddai. Amen. He's a God of more than enough. He's Jehovah Jireh. He looked ahead and provided everything, right? Doesn't it say that in Psalm 23? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Look at what he says in verse 32 here. Hang with me just a couple more minutes. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
When God gave you the kingdom, he gave you everything. It's all there. Isn't that amazing? Wow. When a man accepts Jesus, this, the Lord told me this years ago, I'll try to read it. I always cry when I read it. When a man accepts Jesus, he is moved into a position of the new birth. He enters the kingdom of God as God's very own child and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And in the kingdom of God, there are certain rights, privileges, and freedoms that we have as God's children. As a believer, you are a citizen of the kingdom. You have a right to everything in the kingdom. However, you must choose to partake or not partake. Verse 33, sell that you have, give alms, provide yourself bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that fails not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupts. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Trusting God begins in your finances. It begins there. You can't, you can't really self-deceive yourself there. If you want to know where your treasure is, look at your bank account. Look at your credit card statements. Once you trust God for the scene, that's finances, you'll be able to trust him for the unseen. That's ministry, that's healing, favor, peace, all these unseen things. The basic needs of our life is never to be our primary motivator. Check this out. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Look what God says. 1 Timothy 5, 8, but if any provide not for his own and specifically for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel, which means an unbeliever. God said, if somebody does not provide for their own family, he's, he's denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. If this is what God thinks about not taking care of your household, then we know he will take care of us. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Oh, I'm telling you. Proverbs 23, 1, you know it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In order for me not to want, I need to declare, Jesus, you are my shepherd. Therefore, I will not lack. Philippians 4, 19, but my God, what? Shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you that you will supply all of my need and it'll come to me through your son, Jesus. Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the, look, did you notice that? Let them say how often? Continually. Do you want to not, do you want to get to a point where you're laying up treasure in heaven, not on the earth? You want to get to a point where you're never worried about provision? You need to say continually, let the Lord be magnified which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Right? This is so big. God's commitment to take care of us should lead us to the priority of cultivating and maintaining a healthy relationship with his kingdom and with himself. See, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Notice, did you ever notice the prodigal son story? He goes to his dad and he goes, listen, give me my inheritance right now. And then what did he do? He left his country and he went to another country. He left the jurisdiction where he, where his father 
His blessing was upon him. And he went to another country, started doing stupid stuff. Have you ever done that? Kind of got out of the will of God. Nope, yep, all right, we'll pray for liars later, right? No, we know, right? <laughs> so, because we've all written books. You, we, you know you went to that concert and bought the T-shirt, and you're like, yeah, I'm an idiot, right? And proud of it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, ah, oh, you find yourself eating what you, then all of a sudden, you're eating Brussels sprouts. That's like a Jew, a Jew eating pig feed, Right? I'm getting a little dramatic now. So anyway, so he, he goes out, he squanders the whole inheritance. He has nothing. He's living like a beggar. He's literally eating pig's slop. What got him back to his father's house? He had this thought. You know, the servants in my dad's house eat better than this. Now, he still didn't figure out something, but did you notice provision got him going back? And when he went back, his father was looking for him. And he said, Dad, come on, just let me, let, me, let me be one of your servants. And he's like, no, 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 here's the ring. We put the ring on your finger. Get the best robe. We're having a party. It's all because my son who is dead, he's now alive, he's back. Listen, I want to encourage you, come back. If you're not there, come back to a place we were like, okay, I might not understand this. I don't, but I know that I know that I know that God loves me and I'm coming back to Father's house. But you're not coming back because you messed up and now you gotta be a servant for so many years. No, you're a son. See, the reason why we don't toil, guys, we don't work for stuff, we inherited it. It's ours. Jesus had to die, but he did. And he's got Zoe abundant life for you. No more worry, amen?